0: Hello out there, and welcome to another episode of the Fancy Scientist podcast. Today's episode is different, and that's what I love about my podcast is that I bring in different perspectives, especially different from the field of wildlife and science. Today, I'm actually going to be talking about a business podcast, but before you stop, Listen to why, because this really does apply to you. And it specifically applies to people who want to go into wildlife careers. But even if you don't, even if you're just like passionate about the environment and conservation, and you're just doing it because you care, the lessons from this podcast are so, so, so important. This podcast is actually an excerpt from my successful wildlife professional program. I had them watch another podcast featuring Sarah Blakely, who is the founder of Spanx. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking about business, but more about entrepreneurship. And there's so many parallels between entrepreneurship and being a scientist or really just trying to make any change happen. And it's so funny that I've come into this world. I am now a small business owner. I run my own company, The Fancy Scientist. But when I was growing up, I saw that my dad was a business owner, and I really never wanted to be a business owner. I saw him working all the time, even when he came home. He was an amazing father, he spent lots of time with us, but even when he came home, He was always worrying about the store and thinking about it. So you could technically like never be off the clock. You could always be doing something. And when I was a scientist, I didn't realize that. I was like, oh, I want to be a scientist because I care about animals. I want to do conservation work. But science is actually very similar to entrepreneurship and owning your own business. Because even if you're formally employed in a lab or a university, for instance, You're like the entrepreneur of your research. You need to find the grant funding, usually. You need to manage other people to get your papers out there, in addition to producing your own papers. And you can always be working. There's always more papers you can be writing, more data you can be analyzing. So the parallels between biology and entrepreneurship are just really amazing. And another parallel is. In both fields, there's a lot of rejection. With entrepreneurship, you've probably heard that most businesses fail. I forget the statistic, but I wanna say it's something like 90%. And in science and research, the same is true. Not necessarily that most people fail at becoming that job, but there's a lot of career rejection. And then once you're in the career, there's also a lot of rejection in relation to things like grant application. When you're publishing papers, when you're submitting them to a journal, it is super common for them to be rejected. In fact, if you're not rejected, you're really not shooting high enough in a journal. So rejection happens all the time in wildlife biology. So the reason I shared this podcast with my students is because the attitude that Sarah has is what you need to make it in this degree. Or in this field, this it's what you need to make it. And again, even if you're not pursuing this as a career, it's what you need to make it to really make change happen. You have to have this resilience. You have to have this belief in yourself. And you have to be willing to do things outside of the box to make things happen. So the original podcast, and I'll link this in the show notes, is called Sarah Blakely on Writing Your Billion Dollar Story with Lewis Howes. So, I highly recommend you watch that in addition to listening to the commentary. But here, I pull the best parts of the podcast and relate it to our field and talk about how beneficial it is to have this mindset. Actually, not even beneficial, essential. Because if you don't believe at your core that you can do it, that is going to be the thing that stops you. But if you believe that you can do it, you will find a way. And in this podcast, you're going to learn how Sarah found a way. And it took her a while. It took her, I believe, seven years, but she didn't give up. And these are the same kinds of attitudes that we need to be successful in wildlife careers. So I really hope you enjoy this unconventional podcast for wildlife biology profession. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can send them to me on my social media at Fancy Scientist and on Instagram, at Fancy Scientist, with an underscore in between the two words. I love hearing from you guys, so let me know what you think. Welcome to the Fancy Scientist podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie Manka, formerly Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's traveled the world getting their hands dirty, but was given the nickname the Fancy Scientist because I love to dress up and be fancy. My goal is to connect people with nature so that we can restore our planet and rediscover who we really are. I share with you my insights as a scientist and offer real talk on animals, conservation, lifestyle, and advice on this amazing but confusing career. Join me to learn about our world and how we can become the best versions of ourselves so that we can thrive and more effectively conserve nature for all living beings. So for some of um, you that are more entry level, like you're either starting your first jobs or maybe even had your first job. And if you're thinking about going to graduate school, like my sense is kind of like this field, it can be very negative and beat you down, all the not to discourage you guys, but at least in graduate school, there's a lot of parallels between being a scientist and being an entrepreneur, actually. And even when I was in graduate school and a postdoc, I realized this before I started my own a business officially because my dad's a business owner and I never wanted to be like my dad ironically I mean he is a great dad he spent a lot of time with us but the business was always on his mind we would always talk about it at dinner he couldn't just leave his work if you work for a company you can just leave your work and come home and that's how I felt as a scientist like even my postdoc even though it was nine to five working at the museum I would still come home and sometimes I had to get papers in and I'd work overtime or I'd just be thinking about my science and thinking about my research. And there's oh there was always something I could be doing to make it better. And that's the true for business too. There's always something you can be doing to improve it. But with science, I feel like the mentality is just to like work harder and work more. And that's where I feel like the beaten down part is. There are definitely great mentors out there, but in general, I don't think people have the inspiration or the inspirational stories. There, Like I said, there are people. This is a generalization. And at least in the entrepreneurial world or the podcasts I listen to, there are a lot of inspirational stories. And the reason why I, I like this one so much and I've heard her talk a couple of times, so I might be saying stuff that she didn't say in this particular podcast. But I just loved like how much she believed in herself. And that was originally from her dad. She was lucky to have a dad that, that encouraged failure. And I think that's really important for science too. And even if you're not going into it, because as researchers, or if you're going into the research part, you're going to fail, like in some form. Your project's not going to work in some aspect. You are going to apply for grants and get rejected. Like even the best scientists, they're going to get rejected from grants, from certain journals that they um, send their articles to, um, jobs, obviously. So you're going to quote unquote fail in some regard and she learned from a young age that like feeling was just like part of the process and the, the steps to get there and actually one thing that really struck me as a scientist was when I was in graduate school and I submitted my paper to my first this is my first author paper and I submitted to a journal and I chose a journal that I knew it was higher than the paper was meant for like it was like reaching And it got rejected. And of course I was disappointed, but it wasn't like I didn't expect it. And I told one of my committee members and he was like, okay, good. And I was like, well, what do you mean good? I got rejected. (laughs) I was just good. And he was like, it's the first step. He's like, you get, you send it to a journal, it gets rejected. And then you send it to the next journal. And it was just like, but he was very like detached from it and, or not even detached. he was like, yeah, it's a good thing. Like you're doing things, you're going to get rejected. So I love that part about it. But the other part about it that I really liked and that I think is appropriate for this group and and this career is that I feel like a lot of people, and I was like this too, a lot of people are kind of like throwing up their hands and being like, it's competitive, like this sucks. I have to apply for like hundreds of jobs and um, like just complaining about it and about it being unfair. And it is, I mean, it's totally, it, I could, there's lots to complain about. I was there too, but that's not going to help you get a job. And if you really want to be in this field, like I said in the email, I truly believe you can do it, but it might be harder. You might need to be more creative. You might need to like step outside your box and network with people. And with her story, she said at one point, you have to ensure your own success And that's what I feel the podcast really demonstrated to the extreme. I don't know if you guys have to go that far, but she just, she didn't even think about what was right or what was normal. She's just like, okay, I want this. And I know this person like works at this place. So I'm just going to call them things like that. And that's how I want you guys thinking like just what can I do every day to advance my career? Like net, like networking online is something you can do every single day to advance your career. You can reach out to one person on LinkedIn, or you can follow new people on Twitter or interact with them on Twitter. There's always things that you can be doing and it doesn't, your success doesn't always have to follow this conventional route of there's a job, I applied for it, I get it. So, And then when you are that negative, you project that negativity. You remember how negative they were. And like, you don't know what position you're going to be in and what they're going to cross your path. And you're probably going to remember, well, you were really negative and I don't want to work with you in this way. And I'm going to talk about something a little weird, which is there's a lot of people believe in the law of attraction. And it is a weird concept, but I have seen it demonstrated in real life and it's basically about like the different energies that you project you receive back so if you're like what they call higher vibration that's things like being happy enthusiastic great grateful gratitude is really good for for energy and then on the opposite it's like worrying anxious things like that and everyone feels all these emotions it's not like you're supposed to be that all the time but when you truly like are in that state and that's how i was at e i loved my e-mammal job and i love my animal kingdom job too i was like always happy i was like always excited about the projects And I got so many opportunities at both of those jobs out of nowhere. I was invited to go on this Kenya expedition and it was like not part of my job at all. And I really think a lot of it had to do with my excitement just about the project and just about being there that people wanted to be around me and they wanted me to work on different things. So, yeah, like uh, your energy is really important. And it's, and I also use the example of dating too. Like whenever I was single, I would always be like, you'll know, have people being like this. Oh, like all the good people are taken or I can't find anyone. And you're like projecting this negative energy. But then when you're in a relationship, you're so happy. And then all these people would hit on you and ask you about <laughs> dates and stuff. And you're like taken so ironically. And it's and a lot has to do, again, with the energy that you're putting out there. And again, you can definitely, you will and can definitely feel all the emotions. I don't want to make this sound like it's a Pollyanna thing where you're just happy all the time. That's not it at all. But it's more about how you choose to think of things. I totally played the victim. I totally played this is not fair. Like I went through this whole experience and I'm still not qualified. This, yeah, this sucks at times I felt cheated I felt like a bait and switch too because like I mean I went through seven years of graduate school and then I was like oh I'm having a hard time finding a job like why didn't anyone tell me this and so like for a while I was really depressed and or not depressed I was negative and, and bitter I wasn't depressed and resentful but I realized that didn't help me at all and Another thing I choose to believe is is life is always happening for me. A lot of people say things happen to you for a reason. And whether that's true or not, choosing to believe that helps me so much because then I make meaning out of the things that happen in my life. So all of those job rejections that I got, led me to this place and I really love what I do now and it's like the perfect integration of like different things that I've done and I couldn't give the advice that I could give if I didn't have this experience and there's something else I was going to say too shoot I don't remember but but yeah choosing oh this isn't what I was going to say but for your goals or for whatever you do in life, you either get the result that you want or, or you get the lesson from it. That's another thing, like with choosing, life happens for you. So if you apply to um, a job and, and you don't get it, what is the lesson that you can get from that job? And It might not even be obvious right away. So it might be really obvious. Like I've applied to jobs and didn't get it. And then afterwards, because I knew the people, I was like, oh, I don't really want to work there anyway. And and not in the, oh, I don't want to work there if you guys don't want me. But like the people weren't the greatest losses. So it might be something obvious like that. Like even one person was like, one person I worked with, she was, she had a very hard time with those people. And she's like, you totally dodged a bullet. Or it might appear later on, like maybe there's another better job out there for you. Or you meet somebody. And if you like had already taken that job, you wouldn't have met this person. And it wouldn't let and it wouldn't have led to another job. That's something that I choose to believe as well. That like that life isn't just like happening to me. And that's kind of what I feel when you're talking about those women at the conference. And I feel like what happens. In this field is like so many people, yeah, just throw their hands up in the air and they're like, "Oh well, what can I do?" And she also didn't have this stuff mean anything about her either. Like she's a failure. It was always kind of, it was kind of like solving a puzzle. Oh, how can I get this puzzle to fit? Not like, oh, I can't. This puzzle sucks. It's, I did that once with the puzzle. I was like, I think this puzzle's broken. There's missing. No They didn't give you all the pieces. And like, you can, I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but like, even like, can you have fun with it? Like, how can I make this happen for me? It seems so difficult right now, but how can I make this job work for me? And Jane Goodall is another good example. I mean, this was like way before, well, I mean, her career did exist, but, but she wasn't a scientist at all. And she didn't come from a family of scientists. I forgot how how she met Richard Leakey, but she basically like made herself available and she made it happen. So again, like thinking outside the box, of course, you're going to apply for jobs and stuff. But if you don't get those jobs, like what can you do to move forward? And it might mean taking a couple of steps back. Like maybe you need to volunteer somewhere and that's okay. Or maybe you need to take another course or something. there's no race or I mean and you're not competing against anyone it's just about going after what you want another thing I do want to bring up is oh I want I wrote a couple of notes one thing I thought was really cool that was crazy when I think she said it in this podcast when she paid people to buy her stuff oh another thing is she broke rules too so I am a big rule follower So that's a lesson that I can learn from. And you have to be careful about the rules you break. You don't want to, there's certain rules you don't want to break. For example, I was, for one of my projects, we really wanted blood samples from elephants and the elephant, the blood samples were already taken. They, I had data from collared elephants. They were anesthetized. There were blood samples on paper. They were, it was done but they were in Gabon and elephants are uh, uh, an endangered species. So you need CITES permits and the permit system in Gabon didn't actually exist then when the blood samples were taken. So we didn't have the permits for them. And people kind of told me like to just like basically sneak them in my other samples. And I was like, I'm sorry if I get caught, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I mean, there's legal consequences also, but like my whole reputation for smuggling elephant blood. <laughs> yeah, you will have to make some judgment calls. But um, one thing I did learn from Roland, my my advisor with e is he was kind of like this. It's like you break rules and then you apologize later. And that's kind of like what she was doing. I mean, she didn't even apologize for a lot of cases. <laughs> they didn't even know it was her. Or they found out that, like, they liked what she was doing. Like, when she did, I think she talked about the, did she talk about the plastic things in the front? Like, Neiman Marcus. Like, so there were these, like, plastic displays, and she would put them in the front. And that was something against Neiman Marcus, that they wouldn't do that. And she just pretended somebody else did it. Like, she never owned up to it. So, yeah. So, like, some rules you can break, and to think outside of the box. And, and again, you'll have to use some judgment calls. but but. Even in terms of, life, there's a lot of people I talk to who are just afraid to talk to other people because they don't want to come across as pushy. And you really need to do a lot to come across as pushy. I mean, you need to email people like all the time, but doing like follow-ups and stuff like that. Um, a lot of times you're doing a favor for people because they'll forget to respond to you. Always work on making your connections. You never know where things go. Even just, and just being open and talking to people. If you're at conferences, just talk to random people. Like it's honestly really easy. At conferences, there are so many lines. Like you're waiting in line to get your lunch. You're waiting in line to get a, a drink or there's posters. Like I would talk to people at posters and I wasn't even really just in their posters. But you know, you just start talking to people and then you end up seeing the same people around and stuff like that. And you just, again, you just don't know where things go. I did something I did want to bring up though before we end is that there is I do feel like her podcast and this is really common in science as well in related fields is this like whole hustle mentality and and also I think that's true of American culture that like we're told to like work more and Kind of never stop, and she did do that, but I also think that she is in more alignment and trusts more than than we tend to do, so like leaning into that piece that things are gonna work out for you and trusting that like you'll meet the right person or the right job will come up, um, and it's just a matter of time. And when you hustle too much, then it can obviously drain you, but make you bitter, resentful, angry. So it's a balance between, and also just not effective. There's research on 40-hour work weeks, and once you reach, I think it's 35 or 38 hours, you peak and then after that the work you do is not as good and you make more mistakes so it's not necessarily like working more but like working smarter in a more creative way and then also just that like believing in yourself I think sometimes when people work a lot I mean this is like what I would do I think it's part of it is driven by the feeling that you don't think you're good enough so you need to prove yourself in other ways so just taking that into account that you don't always have to be hustling, that there can, that there should be this balance between hustling and resting and trusting. That's something I've learned more recently. I have a very hard time doing activities that do not result in an outcome that's <laughs> like what I consider useful. Shoot. Like even if I were to like paint, it would still be like, oh, to paint a picture, to hang on my walls and fill those spots. I haven't heard of it called that way, but I'll call that term before. But yeah, I definitely it's definitely something I'm working on and something I agree with. And another thing that's really important, I think it was in the book Deep Work that and, and deep work is all about your brain has different wavelengths that it works at. And when you get in, I think it's the theta, your brain is like things come to you easier. It's basically like being in the zone. Like when you're in the zone, you can write well or do your project well or whatever. And then you get out of the zone. But in order for you to do that deep work, you need that time off. And time, another thing I'm trying to adopt is the time off is actually part of the work. Like your yeah. brain needs to rest and it needs to it needs to take in what you're doing as well. Like I actually would do this dance class and I did it once a week and I thought I was going to be a great dancer, but apparently dance is way harder, like way harder. I have I used to like, when I was growing up, Britney Spears was like super popular and I'd be like, oh, she doesn't even sing. She's just a dancer. <laughs> but then I took this class and it was like dances from music videos. And I was like, yeah, like she deserves her fame. Like she's very talented. But we would learn these dance moves and I wouldn't even really practice. And I would be bad like learning them. And then the next week, like I would be able to do them. Like, and that happens a lot with like, musicians too, as well. Like they reach a certain point and then they stop playing and then they pick it up the next morning and, and they can play it better because your brain needs time to integrate that. And when people, like I know on my dog walks, I get a lot of ideas for things or uh, shower there's a whole reddit thread shower thoughts from ideas or just random stuff that people think of in the shower so yeah when your brain is off then you get these things and if you don't allow for that space if you're constantly doing then you're not allowing that space for things like that to pop up yeah i totally agree with that and um having Or being close to a child, I don't have a child, but my boyfriend has a son, has made taking time off, like true time off so much easier. But again, it's still for that outcome. I'm like, oh, let's go to the pumpkin patch, but it's for the child. (laughs) If it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would do it because it's not as productive. But yes, I am learning that taking time off is super important. And yeah, to like really do things just for the joy of it. And when you do things for the joy of it, then I think the monetization comes easier too as well if you do want to monetize something. And that's another way like we can think out of the box is, so our careers are low paid, but well, two things. I've been releasing the money webinar bonuses. And um, so you guys should definitely listen to them, but you don't need to make a lot of money to be wealthy or Retire wealthy, retire with a lot of money. It's really about starting young, and if you're older, starting now is better than tomorrow and doing it consistently, like taking income consistently from your paycheck and putting it towards your ira um so and in the book that I'm reading, he gives a lot of examples like he like he just talked about this one example of a nonprofit worker who makes forty thousand a year and I mean I can't remember the statistics but she's doing really well because she just she is like frugal with how she spends things but yeah she's saving for her future and that money builds upon itself and then there's yeah there's so many things that you can do right now to make money as well there's you can do VA work virtual assistant work online like you can edit podcasts and stuff like that and yeah, it does you can look at it like it does suck that our career doesn't pay enough, but it's it doesn't pay enough because it's not it's not a money making it's not a money making thing. Conservation, like all these good causes, like if you're doing like one of my friends, she helps people with trauma or domestic abuse situations. Those people are not getting paid a lot, but they're doing really great work. And it's because you can't really it's hard to make money out of that like all this nonprofit stuff it's not like a direct business model but but the cool thing nowadays is if you can teach people something you can make money off of it so there are like i said opportunities out there like virtual assistant work and obviously like uber and things like that actually i always talk to my uber drivers or lyft drivers and so many of them do it full-time they're like this is better than my my, my other job and these are people who have graduated, not, not even necessarily like young people and they make good money. So doing that for a couple of hours on the weekend, so you can have the job that you really love or like doing kind of what I'm doing. There's this one podcast episode that I shared with my group a while back. And this one woman, she makes money by teaching people how to fight. And the guy, the person on the podcast who's interviewing her, he was like making fun of her. He's like, what do you mean how to hike? I mean, he knew what she was doing, but he was like playing with her. And he was like, you just tell people how to walk, like walk on dirt. And yeah, like we have these skills that we don't realize we have. And she said, there's a lot of people who want to go like backpacking and they don't know how to do it. And if you go online, there's all these different blog posts and it can become overwhelming. So she has a course that teaches people how to hike and it gives like safety information. And yeah, people pay, I don't know, 50 bucks or something to take this course and they learn how to do it. And something like that, you can make one and, and use it over and over again. So just like Sarah, like you can be really creative in, in how you do things. And um, this world is changing so fast and there's so many different opportunities to do that. A lot of people who do businesses like that, like they tend to be like coaches So yeah, she was, yeah, she was a hiking coach. She's like, why do you you need a coach? She'll learn how to hike. But yeah, I mean, people love birding. So if you're like an experienced birder, like you can maybe put a bird course together and people will pay for it. And, And yeah, your degree, I mean, like Matt, you as a pollinator biologist, I am totally, you could totally make a course on like creating a native garden. urban native garden because that information, especially locally, that information is hard to find because I wanted to do a native garden and yes, the federation does have, you can look up the plants and stuff like that, but you have to do it individually for your area and like, I didn't like, I don't know how to put things together. So like it ended up looking like (laughs) weeds, it got, it did get a lot of pollinators, but it wasn't very pretty in terms of the home that the plants themselves yeah were pretty but yeah didn't have that curb side appeal but yeah there's lots of things that that we can do and to just be creative about it yeah and you don't necessarily have to be an expert you just have to know more than most people and in some cases you don't even have to be the expert. Like You could be like, hey, I'm trying this out. Does anybody want to join me in this program? And I'll teach you how to do this as I learn it. I mean, I mean seriously, there's, I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing with you guys in the money course I'm teaching, although I probably won't sell that. But I, I do have a lot of background knowledge and money, but a big reason why I wanted to do it is because I wanted to, like, get my finances really straight and, like, really make sure I'm saving and planning for these different things. But, yeah, you don't need to be, like, yeah, you don't need to. And actually, if you have a job, it probably will be more difficult because you'll be working all the time. You won't have time to do this. So set it up now so that when you get a job, it can just, like, happen in the background and you can, like, do, like, weekly meetings or something. But yeah, the urban, the, like native plants and, and pollinators, birds, all that stuff is huge. Like people, I would pay for that. I would pay like how to design an, an urban garden a native garden, how to attract certain pollinators, learning about pollinators. I don't know if you know beekeeping. I'm sure there's courses online for beekeeping. You can do it yeah. all. If you guys want to learn more about that, I can teach you how to do that, but you don't even need you don't need a website. You really just need a way to get their information. So you can do it through Instagram, Facebook, email. And if you wanted to do like some sort of course I guess Zoom, I'm not sure if Zoom does, I know they do 40 minutes for free, but I'm not sure how many people, but you could do it in a Facebook room. You can do a Facebook live and record it. There's just, there's so many different ways to do things like that. So yeah, things like that can be extremely profitable and fun too. Just to think about her time is I think it took her, what, seven years for it to happen. I know a lot of you guys are in a rush to get there And that's another thing I learned through my postdoc. And I never was a professor, but some of my friends are professors. A lot of people are always trying to get there and their changes. It's like, oh, I gotta get into graduate school. And then once you're in graduate school, you're like, oh, once I graduate, then I'll be happy or I'll feel like good enough or satisfied. And then it's like, well, no, now I need the job. So you're in the postdoc and you're not feeling good until you get the job. And then, even if you get a professor job, it's like, oh, well, I don't have tenure, so I'm not there yet. And then, I guess once you're a tenure, maybe you can finally relax. <laughs> but like, there is, like, you're already there, and it's really important to be happy. In order to be happy where you're going to be, you really have to be happy where you are. That's really what it's about, and it's hard to do, but you can do it. And it's all about. We're never after the thing or after the feeling that the thing can give us so even if you're after the job after so the job what does the job bring you so it brings you money that's the first one so money what does money give you like for you usually for people it gives them like freedom they can do whatever they want so like where in your life like do you feel free like do you feel like and that maybe it's just like a day off for you like you can like lay around and do nothing and 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 just like tap into the feeling of like, oh yeah, I don't have to do anything today and it feels great. Or or you, I mean, b- are buying something for yourself that's nice and, and that you can afford, but you feel good about. And then there's the other parts of your job are for us, obviously, it's like the wor- work satisfaction. So if you're not getting work satisfaction right now, like where can you get that? Like Somebody I'm working with, He really wants to help out conservation and he is like so upset that so many things are going wrong and he just wants to help out. So like, what can you do? Is there like a citizen science project you can participate in? Or, I mean, even just something like cleaning up around your neighborhood or something, if it gives you that feeling that you're contributing, that you're doing something, or maybe it's about enhancing your skills. So is there, yeah, like an online course you could take or even YouTube videos you could watch. Like a lot of people want to learn GIS. I'm sure there's videos on GIS. That sounds really boring. Oh, such GIS videos on you. Don't do that. (laughs) But, But yeah, like tap into like the feeling that it gives you because even when you have the thing, even when you have the perfect job that you've always wanted. If you don't like stop and have fun in it, it's like, it just becomes a job to you. And then you're kind of like, well, why did I go into this? And like, what's going on? So yeah, always like what you really want. Maybe even for you to be satisfied, you don't need a wildlife job. Maybe you do another job and then you pay to do the things that you really want through a wildlife job. And I thought of this because I worked alongside a very prominent scientist. And one night at dinner, after we had this like mini conference and at dinner, I was sitting next to him and he was, we were talking about the places we wanted to go to. And he was like, I want to, he like, "Oh, I'd love to go to or somebody said, I think it was Malaysia, whatever. It was like somewhere in, in Asia. And he's like, oh yeah, me too. And I'm like, you work there. I know you've been to Malaysia. What do you, like, he has like projects in Malaysia. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, yeah, but I don't go to Malaysia. I just go to like a conference room. Like I'm there for like a week and I'm in a conference room talking to people. And he said that he's like, but his friends, they like, And he has a good paying job. He's like his friends, like they make more money and they're traveling all over. And they've been to like all these areas of Malaysia that he's never been to. So if you like a lot of people are interested in this job for travel. And if that's like your main thing, maybe it's better for you to get a higher paying job and then take your two weeks and do Earthwatch. And that's research and you get to do really cool things. And um, or even you could have like a digital job where you can work remotely and you could go like volunteer for conservation projects around the world. So yeah, so there's lots and lots of options. And yeah, it doesn't your joy doesn't even have to come through your job as as well or in relation to wildlife. You should be happy at your job (laughs) or it's good to be happy at your job. Are you an inspiring or entry level wildlife biologist, ecologist, conservation biologist, or any other allergist wanting a career working with wildlife who's struggling, feeling stuck, lost, confused, or just plain worried about this career, then you are gonna wanna make sure to do these three things. First, head over to FancyScientist.com and check out all of the resources I have for you. You'll find tons of informative blog posts and free tools. In my program section, you'll find masterclasses and self-paced programs, some of which are 100% free. And if you want to go even deeper with me and have the mentoring you always wanted, then check out my one-on-one and group mentoring programs. Second, while you're over there, you'll want to make sure to sign up for my newsletter where you'll be the first to know about my latest blog posts, podcast episodes, free trainings, and program offers. Sign up for my newsletter or opt in to any of my freebies and you'll be added to the list. Third, join our community at the Getting a Job in Wildlife Biology Facebook group. This is based on my book of the same name that has sold thousands of copies, helping aspiring wildlife biologists literally all over the world. In this group, my intention is to connect, support, and inspire future wildlife professionals. Come for daily affirmations to ensure your mind is primed for success, exclusive tips, myth-busting, and more. If this episode helped you, please be sure to leave a review to help us reach even more people with this important message. You'll for sure receive extra positive vibes and love from me.